0: you're listening to power and public space a co-production of drawing matter and the architecture foundation i'm your host matthew blunderfield marcus latin mackey's research explores in part how architecture became instrumental in the societal and cultural transformations that took place in revolutionary russia and just before i go any further it's worth noting this episode was recorded in early 2022 before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. In fact, the discussion doesn't focus on contemporary Russian politics and culture, but instead reflects on the aftermath of the Russian Revolution of 1917, and the ways in which Russian people altered and reframed the imperialist monuments and public spaces around them, as power was ceded from the monarchy and aristocracy and taken up by the Bolshevik Party. Parallels are also drawn to contemporary debates and how to contend with retrograde monuments still standing in public spaces. Latin Mackey also unpacks the motivations behind Lev Rudnev's monument to the victims of the revolution, which was erected in the field of Mars in St. Petersburg, and became a kind of conduit for public movements not only across the field, but through the streets, recasting the city itself as a monument to collective life. All right, so here's my conversation with Marcus Latin mackie So I wondered if you could talk us through the major events in the revolution that were to become the subject of Led Ruvnet's monument.
1: Yes, well, first of all, in my study of, of such social and cultural change, I I begin I begin by looking at the revolution as a long process, not simply as a as a moment of of, of uh, taking over or establishing a new new rule, uh, but as a as a as a project that is built up with its own myths and and uh, and law and and sort of understanding of of uh, uh, what politics and what culture means, but also what space means. and. Uh, uh, in the Russian Revolution, uh, St. Petersburg as the capital was a key space of course for this and the uh, St Petersburg uh, central public spaces like the Palace square, which and this is where the sort of the myth comes in as well. So the first Russian Revolution was in nineteen o five and it began with a with a strike uh, and a demonstration. Where hundreds of people were were shot by uh, by the imperial guards on the palace square, uh, also known as the Bloody Sunday uh, in history, writing one of them. and uh, uh, so I ask what what does this do to the to the meaning of the space itself? Uh, and what happened when uh, then some ten years later in nineteen seventeen, uh, the revolution was actually successful and again the strike and the demonstration led to the overthrow of the uh, of the imperial order and uh, uh, what happened to this base uh, spaces? Uh, and instead of the the palace square um, i focus on a on a space that is adjust, adjacent to it uh, in central st petersburg but equally loaded with with imperial uh, let's say meaning and history, since it was the the parade ground, the, the called the the field of Mars.
0: Can you give me a sense of the culture of public monuments in Russia that preceded the revolution, and how public monuments changed in light of the revolution?
1: In Russia, of course, the imperial city of Saint Petersburg was built according to Western uh, ideals of of classical architecture, and uh, since its, uh, its beginning, since its birth in the early 18th century, monuments played also an important role. Here, the idea of the monument is, is maybe twofold. We have the monument, the classical monument to the, we could call it, for example, the royal monument uh, or, or the sculptural monument of, of erected to a figure. Or we could speak about historic monuments, uh, which are, let's say, uh, a building that is considered uh, of historical significance. And in Saint Petersburg, both these meanings are, are really important, even even essential to the to the perception as well as the, the physical reality of the city. The city is punctuated with with important uh, monuments, uh, like the monument to the uh, Peter the Great, called uh, known as the Bronze Horseman, uh, which not only is the, the sort of the symbol of the city, but it's also an important part of the the literary image of the city so through poets such as alexander pushkin who uh, wrote this statue into the culture uh, of of russia into the, so so the statue this one particular statue but through it also others play a role not only in the city but also in or more, more broadly in russian culture these monuments were something that the, the new revolutionary order had to encounter uh, and there were various strategies that they they did it with from te- tearing them down. Uh, and it's a famous image of of the Bolsheviks tearing down the statue of Alexander the Third in Moscow that was filmed by Sergei Eisenstein uh, and was uh, then became this sort of something in between documentary footage and fiction, but sort of built to the to the both to the myth of of the revolution taking over, but also later on, to the idea of the Bolsheviks as iconoclasts who tore down the monuments. But most of the monuments were left standing, like the bronze horseman. It was never touched by the Bolsheviks. It it was left there. Some of them, mostly to the more recent monarchs, uh, were either destroyed or they were reframed. They built for, for revolutionary festivities for the 1st of May, uh, a cage was built uh, on top of the uh, or around the the sculpture of, to, of Alexander the Third in Saint Petersburg. For example, it was mocked by recaptioning it. Uh, the pedestal was uh, was uh, recaptioned with the word uh, "pugalo" scarecrow, and that that text was left there. So it's very similar to 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 the let's say the strategies of toppling and reframing uh, historical sculptures that we've seen in recent years. Just Now it's the regime, and I'm referring to the Black Lives Lives Matter movement, etc., both in the U.S. and in the U.K. Uh, Let's say the the formal and spatial strategies of of reframing the meaning of these sculptures by the crowd was very similar now than it was uh, with the Bolsheviks. The whole idea of a monument where you elevate a single figure above others, which is the basic format of the sculptural monument, uh, this presented a, a huge problem to the to the revolution uh, and the revolutionary movement that was so much grounded on the idea of the of, of the many instead of one, uh, that was grounded on the idea of the demonstration and the power uh, of the people in plural. Uh, to show their presence and and significance in in space. And this wired the the way the the revolution started to think of its own uh, monuments. And here, maybe still briefly to comment the other aspect of the understanding of a monument, which is the historical understanding of it. Uh, This was also particularly important in the context of St. Petersburg, because it was considered as a monumental city in its entirety. So this idea of a monumental city in itself uh, was sort of a, it was the other thing that wired this idea of monumentality. And it was another thing that the revolution had to encounter since that monumentality very much stood for the power of the monarch.
0: So this brings us to the field of Mars now and an understanding of how Rudnev's monument to the victims of the Russian revolution is at once a monument as well as a public space. Could you talk about how this new form of monument marked a departure from the kind of traditional monuments you've been describing and how it traced and reinforced the ideas of the revolution itself?
1: Uh, the ways that these aspirations uh, can be seen with this one monument and in this uh, one space uh, start from the very basic uh, premise of the, of, the, of the sculptural monument. Uh, So instead of uh, of presenting a a pedestal uh, with a figure elevated on top of it, um, it does the inverse, uh, the the reverse of this. Uh, It marks uh, an open space in the middle of the field with these four corners uh, built out of uh, granite and with space in between them. So instead of, of elevating a figure, how I in- interpret it is that it marks a space. Uh, it marks a space not for uh, some individual, but for the many. So it makes a monumental gesture in this way that this space now is dedicated to the many. This former space of imperial grandeur uh, is now uh, and, and military power is now rededicated to the many by marking a space. For them.
0: So in a way, the monument becomes a kind of staging ground or a space of congregation or a space of the performance of political action.
1: Yes, exactly. So uh, if, as I mentioned, the, the strike and the demonstration were the motive forces and some kind of, kind of motive mythical forces of the revolution the idea that that the mass, the crowd, can occupy space and with that uh, bring about political and social change. So after that was done, after it was successful, uh, this monument uh, became a way of turning that force that was no longer necessary in a way because it had been successful, turning that into a permanent feature uh, of the city. Uh, and this was related to performances as well, and to, this, to celebrations. So it became quite literally uh, a stage uh, for performing the politics, for example, with event, events such as the 1st of May, which the, the demonstration and the strike were, were staged uh, as a celebration, and the monument played a, a part of it.
0: In your writing on this monument, you also talk about the way it's been mediated through images and drawings. And in particular, you write about one of Rudnev's drawings and how, in a way, it begins to express the negotiations and tensions that relate to the new mobilities and monuments of the revolution. So could you talk more about your reading of the drawing itself and the way that the architect's intentions or aspirations are kind of embedded in it?
1: Yes. Yeah. This drawing shows the, it's a plan that shows the field with the surrounding city the the contours of the city uh, as well as the monument in the middle of the field are drawn with strong lines of black ink but it's not those lines that draw the attention on the drawing but rather it's it's a lightly drawn sort of a dancing uh, green line uh, uh, drawn with light watercolor and uh, highlighted with black dots and the green line, that this dancing line that's drawn with a, with a light touch and and freehand to cross the field from one corner to another, shows the movement uh, of the crowd during uh, the uh, revolutionary festival. Uh, this becomes clear when looked more carefully. The annotations uh, on the drawing show a date and uh, and show that it's it's meant for. Uh, the decorations of the square on the first anniversary of the October Revolution, so 1918. And it's Rudnev himself, the architect of the monument, who also does the decorations uh, around it. So it's sort of him also rehearsing the meanings of his own work, which makes it further further, uh, of interest uh, for me as a researcher of architectural history. This drawing allows me to have a glimpse of what he thought of his own work, how he how he intended it to be it to be resonating with the city and the people and it's really this resonance uh, that that like somehow opens up to me through this drawing in that it's really about the relationship of the dancing light green line and and the rigid forms of the of the monument itself and that in this the rigid forms of the monument drawn in black relate also not only to the to the dancing movement of the the crowd, but they also relate to the surrounding city. And that as much as the monument makes uh, a space for the people, it also tries to relate that to the surrounding city. So in this, the the monument does not only frame and mark a space for the new presence of the people, for the new mobility, as you said, uh, marking the, the mobility of the people who previously didn't have a place in these monumental spaces marking the movement of the of the poor from the suburbs to the center it also seeks to mediate the the city surrounding surrounding it it's not uh, aggressive towards the city rather it takes its language it takes the classical forms and classical elements it even takes its material since it's constructed from red granite which is the symbolic imperial material of saint petersburg and it tries to uh, mediate in between the dancing line of the people and the rigid forms of the city. And this makes a lot of sense when looking at uh, at Rud- who Rudnev was and where he came from, because he was classically educated. He was part of the cultural elites and he welcomed the revolution. And so he really devised a monument that tried to mediate between the two. It's not about iconoclasm, but it's really about trying to translate the language of the city into the language of the revolution and vice versa. And looking at drawings like this uh, and really questioning the lines and their relations uh, allows uh, us uh, the way to, to, let's say, trace these kinds of uh, tensions.
0: I mean, it's so interesting that you were able to see this drawing, which, as I understand it, isn't in circulation. I mean, it's in a museum in Russia, but not really available online and wasn't even represented in your thesis. But nonetheless, it's become central to your interpretation. And in particular, this understanding that it is the architect's imagination of a public movement and the way that movement is woven into the city as a whole, which is in part what informed the final shape of the monument itself. I want to understand now how this kind of research and reflection relates to the design of contemporary monuments or contemporary public spaces. And I wondered if you could help me tease out some lessons for architects practicing today.
1: Yeah, I think this is a really important question, and even though I'm I'm a historian myself, Uh, it shouldn't be so that history, and it never is so that history exists uh, outside of the time where we live in. So, of course, these are questions that also guide my work. and, uh, And part of what led me to ask these questions was, two years ago reading all around the newspapers and uh, cultural commentators speaking about uh, using words like toppling of statues that were i was familiar with only from books of uh, of history let's say and all of a sudden i see that the same dynamics is uh, is unfolding uh, in front of us uh, in the cities where we live one of the le- lessons uh, certainly is that uh, Instead of simply toppling, uh, it's imp- interesting to think about other means of reframing, such as let's say this uh, recaptioning, that's the most simple that's the most simple form of, of reframing a monument is to change its caption. But what draw me to, to the what draws me in the Soviet monuments and uh, the Russian revolutionary monuments is the sort of multiplicity of formal and material means through which they tried not to be a monument while still, having to be a monument. And in this one particular case, uh, the way that it, it sort of considers its surrounding as, as well as the, the space uh, that it can, it can create in itself uh, is the key. But there are many other examples from the, from the Soviet period. And for example, I also study the, the way the early, in early Soviet sculptures that did elevate a figure on top of others, the pedestal itself was often broken. Uh, it was not a caption that they put in there, but they put, for example, a bench in the middle of the pedestal so, so that anyone could sit and sort of hang around with the, with the sculpture of Lenin. So I think the lessons to be taken from such attempts to, to rethink the, the very formats of the monument and the very ways in which they can operate uh, is simply to continue doing so and uh, and ask, like, if... If there's a problem with the monument, how can we how can we unwind it with the with the material and formal means that uh, that architects work with? I mean, that would be what that would be the sort of simple uh, yet uh, immensely complex and open open lesson to take.
0: Marcus, thank you so much. Power in Public Space is a co-production of Drawing Matter and the Architecture Foundation. I'm Matthew Blunderfield, and I make the show. Check out the other episodes in this series, which are all online and ready to stream wherever you're hearing this now. If you like the show, leave a rating on iTunes, and thanks for listening.